Welcome to the Ottawa University Chi Alpha Podcast. And uh, thank you for the invitation. I'm sorry. I just need to start with that. I'm sorry uh, that it's me and not my wife. Uh, Pastor Jeremiah had uh, invited Karen, and I was just going to be the chauffeur. And uh, I, I love doing that. Um, my wife is the best preacher I know, and um, I like her a lot. Uh, uh, we have three kids, they're all, all grown, and seven grandkids, and um, we have three kids, uh, not because I love children as much, I just like my wife, <laughs> and um, so uh, I've been married to the same woman for 43 years, 10 months, and six days as of right now, and uh, I keep track of it. She says, honey, quit telling people, this, it's like... It's like, it's like a life sentence. And I said, yeah, it's yours, and I'm going to make you live every day of it. So, so uh, I am second, second string today, but again, thank, thank you, Pastor Jeremiah. So <clears throat> I know that uh, based on some conversation, you've been, you've been talking about hearing some thematically about uh, how Jesus said, come and see. But Jesus doesn't stop with come and see. Uh, he eventually asked the guys to come and stay, hang close, don't go, don't go home now, uh, stay with me every day. But eventually, and you're going to be focusing on this, I think, next semester, uh, he said, uh, come and die. One of the most, in my opinion, one of the most dangerous attitudes to adopt as a Christian is that convenience is our right. Now, I like convenience, don't, don't get me wrong, but it's not my right. And if things aren't convenient serving Jesus, I'm going to serve Jesus. So when Karen and I were very young, we were 18 and 19 when we got married, and uh, my biggest regret is that I, see I met her on September 10th, 1978, and I married her on January 3rd, 1979. My regret is that I didn't marry her the day after I met her. Her dad wouldn't have let it happen, but, uh, but while we were really young, we made a, a decision. Uh, all of us have a, a yes meter, no meter, and we decided we would set our yes meter to the voice of Jesus. It's just always on yes. We decided that if we were walking this way, and the moment we realized that Jesus was moving this direction, you know, I'm talking metaphorically, obviously, but, but, but as soon as we realized that we were moving in a direction and he was moving in some other direction, that's where we're going. That we weren't going to negotiate, we weren't going to try to talk him into something else, and it didn't matter how inconvenient, because following Jesus is reward in itself. So I've been following this Jesus for a, a long, long time, two or three times longer than most of you have been alive. Not all of you, but most of you. And I can, I can tell you that the longer I walk with him, the more convinced I become that I was right to say, whatever you want, Jesus, I'm sticking with you. I'm sticking with glue. So I turned 63 my last birthday. And, uh, oh, Pastor, I forgot to turn on my timer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you say, eh, now. But just, just wait till I'm done with you. You won't be saying that. 
But I've been walking with Jesus for a long, long time. And I am convinced more than ever that it's the best decision. It's the right life. It's not about, again, it's not about me. He died for me. But the moment I came to him, the moment you came to him, now it's not about us anymore. It's about who can we point to him. A great mistake that is made in a lot of Christians' lives is they kind of forget that Jesus did everything necessary for us to be connected to God. That's, that's, that's like really good news. <laughs> it's really good news that I don't have to work to get saved. I work hard. I, I, I work hard. But I don't work hard to get saved. I don't work hard to stay saved. I work hard for Jesus because I am saved. So, all of you, I hope, if you don't, I, ch- I challenge you to consider uh, accepting, I'm assuming you do, but if you don't, I'm challenging you, accept the Bible as the authoritative rule for your life. Following Jesus, come and die, come and die. So if you've been following for a while and you've been kind of kicking the tires and you kind of like what you're seeing, uh, Jesus is saying to you, uh, so it's time to quit uh, kicking the tires and saying, I think this is nice. He's saying, get in the passenger seat because when you say yes to Jesus, you give up the right to drive. You give up the right to decide where you're going. You simply say, I'm going to trust Jesus and whatever he says, and so in the New Testament, obviously, the main portion where we uh, interact with his words. Uh, so that, that's, that's what I'm about. And all these, these uh, moments here in introduction, I, I'm just trying to tell you that, that I'm, I've lived longer than all of you. And I'm just telling you, following Jesus is wonderful. It's not easy, always, but it's wonderful. And I want to talk to you tonight for the next few moments that I have from Matthew chapter 23. So if you have your, your uh, Bible apps or whatever uh, the case may be, uh, Matthew 23. It's a, it's a section where Jesus is uh, he's talking to a big crowd. He's interacting with certainly his disciples, those guys who he he's started saying already, you know, come and it's going to really cost you. Uh, he didn't say take up your mattress and follow me. He said, take up your, your cross and follow me. And um, uh, cross, my wife de- has decorated our house. She doesn't have as many crosses up as she used to, but, but she, she loves crosses. And uh, uh, there's not one of them that's ugly, but the cross Jesus invites us to take up is a, is a tool of death. He invites us to come and die. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, and Gospel simply means good news, <laughs> Like what I heard uh, uh, my oldest boy say, he told he was, Jeremy was talking to us this morning on a, telling us about what he was going to preach on Sunday, and, and uh, he said, "Good advice uh, is something that uh, if you do, you'll be benefited. Good news, you don't have to do anything besides hear it and appreciate it. Good news, the gospel, so the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, when we get to Matthew 23, uh, let me just say this before we go there, and I'll, and I'll do. I, do I? What do I need to do? I'd be fine. You're a good man. I want to talk to you about actors near the kingdom of heaven. Actors near the kingdom of heaven. But before I read this to you and with you, uh, this will be from the New Living, uh, the New Living Translation. Um, when Matthew was writing this, he wasn't writing it 
to give us a biography of Jesus. Now, where the Bible speaks about biographic information about Jesus, like Matthew will tell us that uh, uh, Mary was a young girl in Nazareth. That's geographically correct. It's uh, biographically correct. Mary was the mother of Jesus. That's, that's true. But, but I, I love biographies. One of my favorite biographies that I've ever read was uh, called uh, Theodore Rex, and it was all about uh, President Teddy Roosevelt. It was a fascinating biography. And so the, the person that wrote it, their intention was they're going to tell us every key major issue that uh, was part of what made Teddy Roosevelt Teddy Roosevelt. And um, so Matthew wasn't trying to do that with his gospel. Neither was Mark, neither was Luke, and neither was John. What they wrote about, where they spoke of Jesus, they're speaking of the historical Jesus that they knew, they walked with, they encountered, and all but John died as martyrs. Uh, John uh, was uh, put in a net and lowered down into a boiling cauldron of oil, um, and he wouldn't cook and die, and so they took him out. And then in his burnt-up condition, they shipped him off to the Isle of Patmos, which was like a prison island. And uh, it was there that uh, he had a revelation that we call the Book of the Revelation. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a voice. And when I turned to see that voice that sounded like thunder, I saw someone whose hair was white, and he starts describing. So all of them except John died martyrs' deaths. And John died of, uh, of old age, as best as we can tell. But they were writing accurately, but they weren't writing to give us biography. They were writing to think of a, like a, a, a flyer, a pamphlet, a pamphlet. Because they wanted to use the information they shared that we have to convince people, to communicate with people, this Jesus is the Messiah, this Jesus is the solution to your situation. You can't connect with God except through Him. And so they told what they told to communicate the heart of Jesus and His capacity to interact with anybody and take care of whatever their situation. Purposeless lives can find purpose and fulfillment in Jesus and there's no other place to find that. So, Matthew 23, Jesus, Matthew shows us the context of Jesus talking to a crowd. His 11 disciples were there, but uh, so were uh, other people, a big crowd. And uh, in that crowd were uh, these people called scribes and Pharisees. And Pharisees were really people, uh, they get a bad rap. If, have you heard people say, oh, they're a Pharisee, and it's kind of a negative remark, all right? Pharisees in the first century were, were some of the most, uh, they were godly people. They, they cared about people. They were, they, were, they were just really, a lot of preachers, a lot of pastors today would love to have Pharisees in their church from the first century because they, like, they were really careful about all that they gave financially. They knew the Bible. They showed up at everything. I mean, they were, but, but the problem is some of them, and Jesus addresses them, some of them got off track about why they were doing all the holy stuff they were doing. So we pick up the story there. And it reads this way out of Matthew 23. Only verse 13, then skip 14, then 15. So 
in the, in the King James, it says, uh, woe to you. How many of you ever watched the Christmas Carol? A Christmas Carol. Early on in the movie, you've not? <laughs> this Christmas season, you need to watch a movie that came out in 2015 or 16, uh, The Man Who Invented Christmas. It's all about the story of how he wrote A Christmas Carol. It's phenomenal. It, my family laughs at me because I love it. But anyway, in the Christmas Carol that Charles Dickens wrote, there is a, a character, he's a dead guy, and he's a ghost, and his name is Jacob Marley. How many remember this? Anybody? Some of you are looking at me like, you're an idiot. What are you talking about? But, but Jacob Marley, he, he is this ghost, and he's wrapped up in all these chains, and he's dragging like this huge safe, and it's, it's all the, the, the ways he was unkind to people while he was alive, and, and he's dragging them through eternity. So... Charles Dickens was not trying to like promote a theological standing. He's just telling a story. But if, you've ever watched, if you ever watch the movie, you'll hear uh, Scrooge. We know Scrooge, right? We hear Scrooge when the ghost comes in. Scrooge says, says Marley? Jacob Marley? And Marley, whose jaw kind of drops, because he's a dead guy, and his jaw kind of drops like really wide, and he goes, Oh! Like that. It, he, he wails. So in the King James Version of the Bible, Jesus is saying, woe to you. And woe was a statement of, or an expression of very concerned sorrow. Sometimes people read this and they're, they're saying, Jesus is saying, saying, woe to you, like you're such a jerk, you're going to get what you deserve. That's not at all what it is. Jesus is expressing, in fact, in the original, in the, in the uh, 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 Greek language, it looks like it's a, uh, uh, a description of how mourners would be at a funeral. It's the expression of grief. So listen to what he says. What sorrow awaits you? Woe to you, in other words. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law? You Pharisees, you hypocrites. And the word hypocrite in the Greek means actor, someone with two faces. They, they're really this guy, but they put on a... Tom Cruise is not Maverick. Right? I know, I know, popped your bubble, I'm so sorry. He's an actor. He's an actor. He's a wonderful actor, but anyway, okay. I digress. <laughs> Hypocrites. For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourself and you don't let others enter either. Woe to you. Or what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you cross land and sea to make one convert and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourself are. He's going to make us full, by the time you get to the end of this chapter, he offers seven woes, seven expressions over specific issues. And this woe, I make two observations. Number one, training, trusting, pardon me, trusting our self-styled religious system will prove futile for us and disappointing for anyone that follows our example. These Pharisees, they hoped for a greater kingdom. 
they were expecting a Messiah. They'd had prophecies for literally hundreds and some thousands of years that a great prophet would come, a Messiah, and that he would be, they expected a great military, uh, just a military juggernaut. They expected this, some general that would be able to, to uh, coalesce the people into to just a, a froth of, of power and they would push the Romans out of Israel and actually that Israel would become the dominant world power. That, it, was all, it was a very politically oriented uh, mindset for their religious expe- expectations. And I don't know if you've noticed, but part of the problem in the church in the United States is that too many people have a politically motivated religious expectations on Jesus. Since you're not doing it, I'll do it for you. So, these guys, they hoped for a greater kingdom. And some of them had been around Jesus. And in fact, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, some of these guys had been there when he... How many of you heard the words Beatitudes? The Beatitudes. Well, you can read the seven woes in chapter 23 and parallel, not exactly, but somewhat parallel the woes with the kingdom attitudes of chapter 5. They'd been around, they had heard him, they had heard him say, well, the kingdom of heaven is, well, it's like a farmer who goes out to sow and he sows seed and these, well, the, the kingdom of heaven is, is like this. And he, and he described, so they knew that Jesus, maybe, maybe he's the Messiah, but well, he's not too military. And, I mean, he's going around, you know, raising up dead people and, and touching lepers and doing all these gross things. And, but he, you know, he speaks, to, ah. so they were con- conflicted. So they were expecting a greater kingdom, but they were busying themselves, occupying themselves with their, their plans of how to make sure they were, were right with God. Now, it's a good, it's a right desire to be right with God, to, to be in, in, a, in a relationship with Him. It's a right, that's a good desire. The problem comes when any of us decide that, that we can, can find or create, concoct a system and behave certain ways and get in and, and everything be good because we... Here I am, Lord. Jesus did it all. And the Pharisees, notice, it says that, uh, that they were... Um, uh, uh, standing, they were, they were working vigorously around the entrance of the kingdom of heaven. So they're really close, and the, but the path they're on, the path just didn't go quite all the way into the kingdom that they were near. So they're actors, the title, actors near the kingdom of heaven. And where, what Jesus said is, you're standing there by an open door. Imagine that, that I've got a door like here and it closes this way and opens this way. And they're there and they're, they're behaving. They're, they're trying to be holy. They want to be holy. They, they want to be like God. They want to honor God. They love Moses' teaching. And they know Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, that, the Torah. They, they know it. They, they, in their own way, they love God. But they're, they're they're, they're not accepting that there's a different, like, 
kingdom. They, they, they want a kingdom that's full of power. And Jesus said, well, my kingdom's full of power, but, but not power. It's, it's power, but not power. And, and well, I want a kingdom where there's justice. Well, my kingdom has justice. Well, it's justice, but not, not justice. It's, it's justice. And, and they, they couldn't get it. And he tried to explain it. But they were standing here holding the door. They're all close to the, close to entering, but they're not entering. And it says that they're shutting the door when people are getting close because they, with their own self-styled religion, are repelling people. To depend on anything. Now, I'm, I'm Assemblies of God. That's what I, I grew up. AG is my, the, the church group. That's my tribe. When I get to heaven, there will be no AG over the door. I hope you, hope you know that. Um, there was a, a Baptist guy that was a singer, and he was kind of popular for a while. And, and um, uh, someone from a different denomination said to him, uh, called him by name and said, if, if you weren't a Baptist singing like you do, if you weren't a Baptist, what would you be? He said, well, if I wasn't a Baptist, I'd be a... Well, if I wasn't a Baptist, I'd be a... Shamed. <laughs> <laughs> It only gets worse. You better be glad that I'm almost done. Um, but there won't be an AG over heaven's gates. I want to make sure that my life points people to Jesus. Now, I want to connect with a tribe that will help me live accountable, that will help me uh, keep growing, that will call me on the carpet when I need to be called on the carpet and that will stand by me when I'm hurting and that carry me when I can't walk. I, I want to be a part of a, of a tribe. But these guys were trusting their own plans. And so the first thing I want to say tonight is, is let's, let's not be deluded posers that hang around near the kingdom. Go into D group or small group, all oh, that's cool. Come into the large group setting, that's all, that's wonderful being part of a local church. That's all, that's wonderful. But, but none of this gives us score points with God. Do I recognize that without Jesus, I'm nothing? I love what the Bible says, I think it's in John 10. I can't remember for sure the address. I know I'm, I'm the honorable doctor superintendent. No, I, I get all that, but I don't. I don't have it all memorized real well. So, so. I, but I just. I just know that at one place in the book of John, Jesus says, "Without me, you can do nothing." Now, let me break that differently. Let me just say the sentence differently. Without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do. Without me, you can do. But without me, you can do nothing. Jesus. Jesus. So I'm saying, Tom Cruise, back to Tom. If Tom came in this room tonight, it would all be over. You wouldn't want to hear anything else I would say. Uh, I wouldn't want to say anything else. I'd want to like, you know, hang out with Tom for a minute. But uh, um, if Tom Cruise showed up and said, guys, I, I really am Ethan Hunt. Mission Impossible. Uh, I really am Jack Reacher. I really can beat up seven guys with my my bare hands, I really, you know, we would say, bless his heart. <laughs> right? Because, we, because he, he's, he's not Ethan Hunt. He's not the leader of the Impossible Mission Force. He's, he's, he's a great actor. He's, he, 
How many of you watch Maverick? The guy is 60 stinking years old. You couldn't pay me enough money to play football on the beach without my shirt. I love people too much. There'd be, there'd be protesters coming around looking at me saying, save the baby whale. I mean, it, it, would not be a, it would not be a good thing. But Tom, here he is, 60, and he's in killer shape. And, but as good a shape as he, he's an actor. Jesus says to us, don't delude yourself that you're acting like something if you're not it. And I can't be it without Jesus. Last thing I'll say, and I'm going to wrap up quickly. The second observation is that evangelism deserves strategic effort, but evangelism must bring benefit, not detriment to converts. Jesus says that he doesn't criticize them that they're trying to get converts, but he's criticizing that they're trying to convert people to be like them in their own self-styled religion, as opposed to converts that begin to put their trust in Jesus and try to be like him. I love what the Apostle Paul said, and I want to urge all of us to do this. Paul said to people in his writings, he said, follow me as I follow Jesus. So when I was a much younger man, uh, I would hear preachers wrongly say, uh, now don't, don't look at me, I'm just a guy and I'll fail, but just keep your eyes on Jesus. Well, I appreciate the fact that they're honest enough and humble enough to say, I know I'll make mistakes, but it's, it's wrong. You and I need to have enough courage to say to others, if you don't know how to get to heaven, watch me. I'm following Jesus. And if you follow me, you'll be watching where Jesus is going. And I'm going to help you to not just watch me. I'm going to make sure I keep pointing you to Jesus. Follow me as I follow Christ. And Jesus is saying you do a lot to, to get converts, but it's like you're converting them to an empty religion. There are those in this culture that when they hear preachers like me talk about the importance of, or like your pastor Jeremiah saying, uh, we need to go to Albania because they're 75% Islamic and they're nominal. They're not, they're not looking for ways to blow up planes or, or hurt people. They're, they're, they're just like us. They just, they just love their family and want, want to have a good life. But nominally, they're following Islam. Some people hear me say they desperately need Jesus because without Jesus... They have an eternity ahead of them that is not an appealing eternity. Jesus said, and either, either Jesus meant it and was right, or he had forgotten to take his Ritalin and was kind of off base that day. But he said, I, Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody, no, no one comes to the Father except through me. So, so I have... I know that there are people who say, if you try to convert others, it's just an act of colonialism. You're just, you're just trying to play Christopher Columbus again. Leave them alone. Their religion is just as good as yours. And if what you have, if what I have is religion, they're right. Self-styled religion, mine is no better than yours. But if Jesus is who He says He is, and he is. Then converting people, Jesus says, this is the right thing. But convert them to be followers of Jesus.
So I'm going to wrap up with this. Last slide. Religious rules should function like bumper rails at a bowling alley. I love bumper rails. <laughs> Brie, yes, right here, yeah. Bumper rails. The purpose of bumper rails is not to keep the ball from the gutter. That may pop your bubble, but it's true. The purpose of bumper rails is to get the ball to hit pins. So religious rules that don't get us focusing on Jesus, they're worthless rules. Bumper rails, religious constructs, small groups, large gatherings, one-on-ones, those are great if they're pointing you to Jesus. But if it's all about just trying to become a better you, separate from Jesus, you're focusing on bumper rails and staying out of a gutter, and you'll never get to where you want to really go. Whoa, scribes and Pharisees, actors hanging around the gate of heaven. Don't hang around it. Go in. And I close with this. How many of you have ever heard the statement of uh, someone climbed the ladder of success? You heard that phrase, right? The problem with the Pharisees and with so many people today, the Pharisees were climbing a ladder of religious success, but without Jesus, they would get to the top of that ladder and realize they had leaned it on the wrong wall. Don't climb a ladder of success leaned on the wrong wall. Just Jesus. This is going to be one of the weirder endings of a sermon you've seen. One question for your own heart to answer. What adjustment, if any, what adjustment do you want to make to make sure that you're not climbing a ladder leaning against the wrong wall. I figure you must be followers of Jesus. You're really either really curious or you must really love Jesus a lot because who, who shows up on a Wednesday night at 8.30? Thank you very much. <laughs> so I'm assuming about you that, you're, that you really want to keep growing in Jesus. So what do you need to adjust? And I'll let you take that home. Do you have any questions? Any pushback? Want to have a good verbal argument? <laughs> I'm being silly about the argument. I don't have any interest in arguing. But uh, anything I said that you thought, huh, I, I don't get that. Anything at all. That's why I'm saying this is kind of a weird ending. I just, just felt like I was supposed to throw it out there. We good? There's not enough on the wor- in the world. I'm not joking you, man. No. Oh, no, not even speed the light. No, I will. I will. I love people. I love people. Yeah. Uh, no, you won't. No, you won't. Ah. <laughs>